With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Family, how y'all doing? It's the most pretty y'all folks of Rock Central Media. Today is the non scripted conference. Picture of Sister Mahavay hey, hey. Everybody go in. Perfect. Um, in regards to, you know, conservation diaspora. Here in the wilderness, North America, the place of the lost sheep, where they roamed in grass, the place where alienated people make sure that they live in hell. So, what? Those who already called in, make sure y'all visit kinggt.com. K-I-N-G-G-E-E-N-T-Z.com. I put there, audio, presentation, library, media, schedule, and boy, Team G, Inc. Give me a second. Go ahead and get the Nazi cut on board. Call in All right, we got Sister Ma'a Ray head on the call. No. Well, greetings. Oh, beloved. New out there. All right. All right, you can hear me, brother? Okay, I wish to hear you clearly. I can hear you real good. Oh, good. <clears throat> Well, um, how, have you already gotten started? And Yeah, yeah, I did an introduction and all of that. All righty, okay. 
All right. Well, um, well, you know, you and I we were talking earlier, and um, you kind of asked me um, about the not guilty show, and I went into explaining to you how that actually came about. You recall us having that conversation, brother Amon? Mm-hmm. So what I wanted to do is kind of go into some things. I don't know exactly. You know, we may have viewers from every different angle. Um, some of your Facebook um, friends, you know, some of my Facebook friends. Um, but my show derived from my store, my study, my study of what you would call Americans, the American history, um, but it comes from more of a perspective from from a person like myself um, that's a Nubian person growing up in America and my experience. And I've always been very sensitive to my father. I've always been very sensitive to my brothers. And um, in my family, I had two brothers, two sisters, to, I have two brothers, two sisters. My father's no longer with us, <clears throat> but um, my parents were very balanced. Um, my father, Navy man. My mom was uh, a, basically an RN that ran us a ward for children that were considered at that time retarded, but now they're considered to be, um, you know, uh, disabled or you know may have some other mental or what have you. Um, so um, in that, I learned balance from my, from my parents. And so <clears throat> when I saw the way that men were treated in America, um, from some of the stories that he told me about him being a Navy man, he delivered top secret mail for the Navy. And so that meant that he would have to get on the Navy ships. And he was always addressed as nigger from what he, was t- what he told myself and my brothers and sisters. And and so a lot of times he would have to stand in position of salute um, until they told him that he could rest. And um, be it that he had top secret mail, um, they had no respect for the job in which he had to do. They only looked at his skin color. So it came from there. And then my mother having a medical background, I got a lot of wisdom from her. Well, I examined the way men treated women, and I examined how women treated men. And in our households, my mom grew up, we grew up in the household 60s and 70s. And so me being 67, I was born in the year 67, by my parents having the profession they, that they did, they were considered middle class, but they never, they could never qualify for food stamps or anything like that. My mother always was a dollar more. So um, I saw unfairness there. And then because if my mother had said that she didn't have a man in the house, then she could get food stamps. Or if she was being abused or, um, uh, you know, brutally, then sometimes she could get some help. Um, But for the most part, my mother and my father had to budget out. And, and figure out ways to help us at the same time she went to school, at the same time, you know, my father did extra things. So the show Not Guilty started from right in my home. And I grew up in Chicago where there were Catholic churches around me, where there were 
um, mosque around me. Um, and I grew up in a Christian, in a Christian home, <clears throat> in a Christian church. So I began to look at things from all different angles. I began to look at it from the Irish because the Irish was very popular in Chicago. I looked at it from the point of view from um, uh, um, priests who were priests were walking in my in my area because I live right behind a Catholic um, school. Um, so I looked at things from a lot of different angles. It was never fair for a black man in America, and that that's been my conclusion. And and so that can be from your president, you know, from his wife to, um, um, you know, like your, your, common, your common people, even in film industry or even in the media industry or whatever industry, business industry. Um, look at the industry with the auto, automobiles in Detroit. That was predominantly black, and that's how blacks were able to make the migration from um, being in the South sometimes, like my mom was from Mississippi, from, from Malbao, um, um, different parts of Mississippi. Um, so when you try to transition, which that's what my parents were able to do, they left the South and went and moved to the North. And so that's when my mother was able to do more in schooling, and she was able to do more as far as a career for us. And she taught us the, the principles that she learned from living in the South, like planting, because she lived on the farm. And she taught us things about jarring. She taught us how to sew. She taught us how to go in, and education is the, the way that we're going to actually make a difference. So this is where my show, the, the title, came from. So if you want me to stop and then you ask me something, then I'll, I'll continue otherwise. What would you like to ask me something, brother? So what made you so passionate, you know, about um, the whole incarceration movement, trying to bring awareness about what's going yeah. on with the justice system? Right. Well, what what made me so passionate about that is because I'm a child that came up. I watched Ronald Reagan on TV. I watched the Bushes, both Bush one and Bush two. Um, I studied the Jackie Onassis, you know, the Kennedys, how Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King, you know, had been shot, how Malcolm X had been shot. Like all these things are like um, light bulb moments that happen in my life. And um, I like politics and I like, um, you know, government. And, and I just, <clears throat> I like people. So, but I saw people was being incarcerated for, you know, for things that were jocked up, you know, and I could see that even from a young age. Um, you know, like if you go back and you look at a, at a movie like New Jack City, you know, um, we, we can look and say, oh, they were criminals, you know, um, for they, they're distributing drugs and all of that kind of stuff into the societies. It's the same thing that the European society does to us. They pimp us. But we always come out on the tail end of the deal. So it's not to say that it's correct to sell drugs in your communities. That is stupid, you know. But th there were ways that we were forced into that cartel, and it came through stuff like in the, in the 80s. I watched Miami Vice, how Miami Vice was built out built up off of drugs. But then Reagan and them brought in a thing called War on Drugs 
which really it left us impoverished. It still left us in a state of illness, and it also left us where we had crippled one another because we had really, you know, lost hope. We lost hope, you know, and so. Uh, you know, it's just a it, it's just a vicious, vicious cycle of a shift in uh, people that really want to keep control, oppressing us and giving us drugs and keeping us under a spell so that we couldn't see our regalness. You know, and so th- the only way that, that I knew to take the things that I had learned And more recent, I did help with uh, President Obama's campaign, a sister and I. Um, We went and and, uh, helped in Colorado where uh, President Obama won in in landslides in in Colorado uh, where we would just go and um, help in polling, help with, um, you know, phone calling, actually doing the footwork. And one of my main things was I really believe the American dream that everybody should have health care. I don't see why as rich as this country is, I don't understand how come we can't offer health care to our own people. And just like if you go to other countries where there's free education, there's free health care, you know, and and you know I don't I don't understand that we're the richest country in the world. So, but any any rate, I started to I have family member Reverend York, who was incarcerated, and he had already showing us that we should go into different charitable functions, and we should uh, we donated so many thousands of dollars to sickle cell or you know to toy drives or to. Uh, the, the you know we we've done a lot of things that are noted and, and in the very near future I'll upload a lot of pictures so that people can see. Um, but charity starts at home as Reverend York taught us, and so we started going to prisons and we would start um, doing things like uh, uh, ministering to uh, di- different people. And then there's ministries where you got two parents. Sometimes you have children that get. Uh, they have two parents that are incarcerated, just like that's what happened with Reverend York and his wife. And so um, we always want to look out for the children. So there are different people that I have co-op with that have programs where I can't do all of the work. We have other foot soldiers. So through networking, there are different people that will go in and do ministries um, and counseling counseling for the children, um, you know, different agencies that will help get the, the parent jobs for reentry, um, um, uh, places to stay, you know, somewhere stable. Uh, so there are a lot of different things that we do have to offer. It's just a matter of me getting everybody in one room, which I'm planning in the very near future, so that we can lay out how economically we can grow and it can be a swift transition um and and making that happen so that's sort of like where my passion started and with with reverend york i had to learn about the mail system you know what what you could send what you uh, couldn't send um 
Um, and mostly all we sent was, you know, prayers for inspiration, like revelations, you know, uh, 8 and 11, or we would talk about Matthew 21 and 21 or Matthew 24. It's different things that he would give us as a congregation, and there are things that we would send him to keep him uplifted. But he also liked to teach you know, um, and and inspire other of the the prisoners. And so there are times that he could have gotten out, and it's not that he weighed himself and said, well, no, I'm going to stay. He feels sorry, and he feels sorrowful for other people that don't have a voice. He feels sorrowful for those that don't have somebody that loves them because everybody that goes in there does not have somebody that they can write to that they can have sent some money and put it on their books. Some people don't have, and that's what he cried. He says, you know, there are people in here that don't have nobody, you know? So how could I? Go ahead. I'm sorry. I was just saying that's a sad story, you know what I mean? Because in the position, sometimes people got to, you know, envision themselves in that same similar type of situation, you know what I mean, how they would feel. Yeah. 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 Except that people, you know, saying living like that, you know, they're living in a pure state of neglection, which needs people the most, you know, under that. Yeah. That's right. That's right. So that's where that's where he, you know, he lays a lot of things on us, and he's depending on us to be able to help people that are in positions like that, you know. So he always taught it's not about me. You know, it's about it's about your children because your children going to procreate with these beings when they get let out. And some of them don't, they shouldn't be out. But a lot of them should not be in there. Why is it that America is the, is the country that's the richest, but we got the largest population of incarcerations? We are just brutal. And that's not even our way. That's this, that's this beast that made this stuff up. You know, we are not child molesters and rapers, but that's not our nature. You know, we are not we are not the ones that's going to just go and volunteer. I'm going to just sell drugs to my people. That's not our way. That's not our way. So I would just I would just say this, Brother Amun, I am having some technical difficulties. I'm devout. And... I don't have no problem. I have to focus on Reverend York. Um, um, uh, he's being released. He's already called for, you know, uh, different ones. So I will not speak past what I should speak. I will just say that we're going to do something about this. This uh, offbeat is totally imbalanced. Uh, incarceration, and we're not waiting for someone to do it for us. Somebody started the police state, which started in South Carolina, Georgetown, South Carolina. Okay? I believe it was 1858 or was it 1885? One of the two. Um, But, you know, somebody started it and said, we're going to chase runaway slaves. And that's what started the police state. So I am somebody that have other people standing with me to say, we categorically agree with you, and if we want something done about it, we have to do it. So I am not going to stand by and let you keep killing my sons. 
I'm not going to stand by and not say nothing. I'm using my voice to tell you my Nubian brothers and my Nubian sons that will marry my Nubian daughters, okay, and my, and my sisters and my mothers, I'm telling you, you're not going to keep killing us. And because we have a mighty force in the Father that we serve, the ancient ones that we call on, they have artillery that, that, will bl- that will blast this planet away. We're not worried about your guns. We're not worried about your, your fire. We're not worried about those things. We're not intimidated by you anymore. There's nothing you can do to keep us from seeking out freedom. We're not going to keep just letting you bash us and beat us when we are the majority. We are the majority. So I'm just going to go ahead and I, I will close unless you have something else because I really want to anticipate Reverend York and I don't want to step outside of that. I want to be focused only on that. And I would encourage everybody that at the sound of this is not a religious thing. I'm just saying for whatever we've done, any person, you don't even have to be religious. You don't have to believe, though I believe. You don't have to believe. All I'm saying is repent. Whatever language you know that in, for whatever it is that you may have done, I'm just asking people that we want to see something greater happen on this planet and we want more positive energy for protection. Repent for the stuff that you have done because it's evil. I'm talking about the European that has controlled this planet and have kept people incarcerated. Those that are participating now, I'm talking about those that don't want to participate in the human race. I'm saying cease and desist with your negativity, and you better get on the right side and repent. If it's anything that you've done, just say you're sorry. I don't use the word sorry. But in your heart to your God, whoever you serve, repent so that we can begin to clean the planet up. That's what we're coming here for. We can't leave it in the disarray that it came, that, you know, it wasn't like this. So the filth has contaminated the planet, and the planet is shaking us off. That's all. So unless you repent, you're going to keep having mudslides, rivers of mud. You're going to keep having uh, typhoons. You're going to have 150-mile-per-hour winds, 200-mile-per-hour winds, 400-mile-per-hour winds. You keep on messing with the God that was sent here to save us from our filth and our destruction. If you don't change your ways, and I'm not a preacher. I'm not a preacher. I'm just a servant or a student of a reverend that has taught me that you got to at some point ask for forgiveness and you got to seek out and ask for forgiveness. And then we can move on from there. You know, that'll eliminate the negative one once you eliminate it in your own life. We can't point and say, well, somebody else did. We can only say the part that we played in it. So I'm waiting, Reverend York. And, you know, I believe he's, you know, very short to come. So when I hear something, whatever it is that he tells me he would like for me to say, then I will say that. I hope to have his attorneys to speak for him very soon. All right, brother, I'm on peace, and I love you so much. 
yeah, yeah. Anybody that want to give uh, a donation in the gogo.com, brother, I'm on every time you type that under my page, then you say Miriam's Productions in the gogo.com. Everything that I get is going to be towards this prison program. I do have to take care of myself. You know, I have some things, but I don't require much. But what I'm asking is people to donate to the Indiegogo.com fund under Miriam's Productions. And um, all of the funds that I get towards that will go towards prison reform and some other things. So, but we will spell all that out, but you will see where your money is going. And we don't just accept money donations. We accept donations in thought and prayer, and we, we accept do- donations as an idea. So I do have this the whole thing with the, um, the lumber yard. I did speak to my um, partner, uh, which is Malcolm. His name is Harold Malcolm, uh, born Jamaican. And he wants to help us get those those lumbers over to Jamaica. And um, he's got a lot of things that he'll explain to us. But let me technically get myself together. We'll go on air, if not next week, uh, the week after. And, um, you know, I'll keep you posted. I'm sending out so much love to you. You got to come back to me. Mm-hmm. All right. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Yeah, go ahead, bro. Okay, okay, yeah, I just wanted to say that uh, it's a big problem, you know what I mean, when you're living in a country mm-hmm. that's only 5% of the world population, you know what I mean, which means that 95% of the world population on this planet is not in the United States of America. Oh. And on top of that, 25% of the people in the world is incarcerated in this nation. Wow. You know what I'm saying? And this is 5% of the world population. And that percentage is the highest incarceration rate in the world. The world. You know what I mean? This country alone, you know what I'm saying, got more people incarcerated than nations combined, bigger than this country, such as Russia. I believe Mm -hmm. it's a lot bigger than North America. And then I believe China is a lot bigger than, well, bigger than North America. Mm-hmm. And these two countries together don't even have as many people incarcerated. Right, right. I, I did take note of that when you on the uh, video that you were able to play. And right, right, right. I, I think I got about uh, 30, 40 minutes in of it, and that was stupendous. So go ahead and elaborate a little bit more on that. Right, right. So, you know, uh from 1970 all the way up to 2010, they said the incarceration rate in this nation have risen to 700%. From the 70, which means that during 1970, there was only 300,000 people incarcerated in the penitentiary. Now mm-hmm. we got 2.3 million people incarcerated in the penitentiary enough to fill up a nation. <laughs> you got countries yeah. throughout this planet that don't even have that much people living on them. In, living inside of their inside of their uh, uh, state or their country. You know what, what you're saying? saying. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Some countries don't have 3.2 million people. Right. Yeah. Many people incarcerated in this country, though. Wow. And then out, out of all these people, 1.1 million of them is fathers. Oh, really? I was wondering where daddy went. 
So wow. there's many that, you know what I'm saying, there's a million children who don't right. have a father in their life because right. they're incarcerated. Wow. You know now, what I mean? And yeah. if, we, if we just sit back, okay, now let's just look at from, the, it was a 1,600% rate from, uh, I believe, 1990 to 2010, incarceration rate rose up to 1600 here in America. So, I mean, it's, it's when you sit back and you really think about the numbers and you yeah. really think about what's happening, you know what I'm saying? Um, mm-hmm. How can you not be in fear for your life? Alarmed. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, this is a fucking epidemic. Yes. Yeah. This is crazy. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, and do you know what we have credit to to um to to give credit to this for this awakening? In some part, I would say, um, uh, President Clinton and Mrs. Clinton, okay, uh, because the computers were put in every home, which that's something people forget about. You know that they were a very big part. And then now what you, what you see everybody with a cell phone, it has a camera. So, you know, we didn't see how our people were being killed. It's not that they stopped or slowed down. You know, it's just it's magnified because of the camera and the Internet, the World Wide Web. It's nowhere, it's, you can have that phone that you got sitting right next to you, and it'll, and it'll have an image that it will cast. It can hear you and see you at the same time. So that's the that's the uh, benefit, you know, in having everybody camera. I say that everybody that's not, that's not booked for uh, being incarcerated, especially in these penitentiaries, they need to have a camera inside of their uh, cell. Because then you can't hide the Sandra Blands. You can't hide, you know, how you put these... Freddie Gray's, you can't hide that anymore, you know. And I wouldn't want to live like that where I got a camera on me, you know, um, 100% of the time. I don't want to live like that because it's a good time now that, that I don't even want to talk on the phone. Look at, look at, speaking on the cameras, right, speaking on the cameras. Okay. Yeah. You still see what's happening in the era where everybody has camera phones and the mm-hmm. police vehicle have a camera in front of their dashboard. Right. But just imagine what was happening before all of that. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? We in the state where it actually slowed down. Right. You're just not, you know what I'm saying? You're not, the only reason why you're hearing about it now is because the people, American people, is informing you about it. And mm-hmm. once it already, you know what I'm saying, gets us so many people on the social media, you know, the public media have to broadcast it to make it seem like they're not hiding anything. Exactly. Merge that immediate. Other than that, if we not never have merged that immediate and hit too many people's attention, then it will not never have been on the public media. Because That's this right. stuff that's been happening. This stuff it's that always been, been happening. happening. You know what I'm saying? For, for quite some time. And it actually, you know what I'm saying, had decreased based off all the camera phones that people have and, you know what I'm saying, the Mm-hmm. The, the, the uh, cameras in front of the dashboards or the police cars, you know, it has right. slowed down, but you still see it's a, it's a problem every damn year. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know I mean? yeah. You, look, it, it, 
yeah. a problem. That's right. You know, and then you see these massacres that they have. Okay, like I don't want to talk a whole lot about that crap that happened with the um, uh, that shooting with the uh, zombies. You know, did you did you happen to hear about that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I heard about that. Okay, so like you know, with this Halloween stuff, right? And plus, you got you know the, the zombie thing. That's a fest for for it's a fest for zombies, you know. But now you got a fest with zombies, and you got cameras, you know. So it sensationalizes when you see people. You see, last week you got this killing at the college. Then the week before that, you had this. You know, that, that it's, it's only intensifying. Then you got those that are the the fair-seeming, you know, where you talk about in Revelation, you have those that are the, the fair-seeming where they make things that look like they're normal, they're not normal, and the things that are abnormal are considered to be normal. Well, you know, it's not normal. It's nothing normal about, you know, now you got to be afraid to go out to go to a concert, you know. Is that what you want to live in, fear? That's what they That's what they promote, and that's what they push. You know, and they're just mad because now we have caught on. You mean to tell me that's what the hell y'all been doing to us all along, that you really just hate us and you just don't want us to have no existence on the planet? That's what it was. It was Michael's angels warring with the devil and his angels if you want to go there, you know. It's always been a war. It's been a war when you had Alexander the Great going and cutting off all the noses of the statues that were Nubian. You know, that that was something that was heinous so that they wouldn't be able to see our inscription, which the law is the word. The word is what is inscribed, what you will find that is written in the law that are instructions. Like they say, the Ten Commandments. We know it ain't no such thing as Ten Commandments only. It's a lot of commandments, a lot of rules and articles. Yeah, that comes from the 42 declarations of my aunt. Yes. And, you know what I'm saying? It left out. 32 declarations on their own right. 10 commandments. Right. So that's right. where that comes from. And that's that's basically where the whole show concept comes from because that's that there's my name, Ma'at Rehat. So that's justice in Ray's house. That's what it actually means. So I'm the scale or the balance or the measurer, the mother, Ma'at, you know, that's where the word Ma'at comes from, meter, meaning to measure. You know, so it means that I have to be a, appropriate in my measure because you got Annabu that stands on the floor of my eye. You got, you know, the, the council, you see. So it's, the, it's a court. We're in judgment right now. That's what my show is about. You are in judgment. You will be given a choice. I'm not going to judge you because guess what? It's easy for me just put the feather on the scale and then your heart will weigh against whatever deeds you did. Your heart will tell. I don't have to do that. All I got to do is take the feather. That's what the feather is. In my art is the quill, which the quill is the pen and the pen is mightier than the sword. So I don't have to judge you. You've already done it yourself. But there will come a time people can repent and people can say, you know, that I like the side of Melchizedek. Why do I like the side of Melchizedek? Because Melchizedek never lost a war. So you got the British 
And then you got the Mahdi. The Mahdi is Malachi York's great-grandfather. So, again, we had to come with the sword to cut away the lies. That's what the judgment is. All the lies that the Europeans been telling, now he put in us, mainly sisters, because he'll talk about mitochondrial DNA. It had to be the woman, meaning that what they'll say, the black woman, but it's the Nubian woman because she's the one that has the liquid gold, the soul, the black woman. So we had to see that the hearts of the children had to go to the father, okay? And so we couldn't turn the father against the children and the children against the father. We had to support that because in supporting that, we're supporting a supreme balancement. And it had to be where if I have to put you back in your superiority, I have to be in mine in order for you to be superior. That's why, that's why it's great that we have Michelle Obama. That's why it's great that we have Barack Obama, you know, because they're the closest thing that we have to a mother and father. You know what I'm saying? They come to give you direction and wisdom. And if the planet don't want to accept that, that's too bad. You see what I'm saying? As in the beginning, so it shall be in the end. So, you know, I, I just, I, I'm grateful, you know, for the things that I've seen. And my eyes have shown me a lot. And I don't prejudge. I just let a person's, their own weight work for or against them. I don't have to do it. All I have to do is say, okay, let's see what were your deeds. And that, what happens is, is this, what Reverend York taught me, and I know he probably taught a lot of other people, he just didn't teach me, um, is that he said there will come a time when there will be a silver screen that we can take and we can put your beginning and your end. We can show you your birth, your zero time reference, and we can show you your end, you know? And everything that you do has been written. Everything that you do is being recorded. So, you know, he says that you will be able to pull things in fruition, like, you know, just make things like, not to say magically, because that's a, that's a messed up word, too. It actually comes from the word magi, which is the masters, which were the high priests, you know. But he says that you will be able to take a, a vision or a visual and teleport it, and then it actually compose in front of you. What do we know? That's a laser beam. That's the same thing as if you would take a... A image, and and you and you take my picture, but then you Facebook it. It's the same. It's the same thing. But we consider it when he talked about certain things like microwave ovens. You know, uh, who would have thought that you could take your food and heat it up that fast? You know, and so he said, at the speed of light, we would. Be, I would be able to project in front of you, and it's a trajectory. You know, it's like where you're able to uh, port, portal, you know, or you're able to transport, transportation, you know, where you're able to teleport in front of a person. So let's say, for instance, I had Skype and you and I are talking, then I could just pull up Skype 
And then you could show me pictures from when you were seven years old right there on your computer, and I'll be able to see you when you were seven and when now that you're 27 or however, however age you are, you know. So he taught us that art way back and taught us that you can take a thought and you can channel it or you can think of a person, and that person will be in front of you. You could just say, man, I ain't seen my friend um, David, and, you know, and then David will pop up. That's because you always had those abilities. It's just that once we started t- forgetting our culture and we started taking on their culture, we start forgetting, you know. We start forgetting the, the things that we use to, to help us to keep our communication with God. Because that's what happened. We lost our communication with God. Why? Because we didn't speak the same language anymore. Because the devil, as they say in the garden, was able to say, yeah, you ain't going to die if you bite from that apple, that, you know, that whole lie about the apple and all that. Um, God, is, he was, you're, not gonna, you're not really going to die, uh, as he said, Eve, which we know Eve was a whole tribe. It was, it was a tribe of little pygmy women like myself. I'm five feet. So, you know, when you forgot the language, what your instructions were, what the law is, that's when you lost your home. You got kicked out of Gan because you didn't remember. You forgot. The forgetfulness is the spell, the spell of Leviathan. That's what the forgetfulness is. When you start thinking that you are a homosexual. Now, I'm not against gays. But that's not my culture. It's not my culture. I don't hate anyone. But Doc did teach us that there's a such thing as gatekeepers. There are people that are gatekeepers, and they have some of those those similarities. They have some of those different uh, characteristics, you know. But that's not part of the culture that I grew up in. But I'm not anti-gay, you know. So I still stem everything from the law, and for me, the law is what your mom and daddy said. You know the difference between right and wrong. You know, the word of God is the law, whatever God says. I mean, you can't take away from what God says, and you can't add to what it is that God says. You can get permission from the council to try to change some of the laws, but you cannot take away from what God says. Nobody can do that. So that's why the show is called Not Guilty. And so when I get myself back together, because I did, I broke some gadgets. So I'm doing the best I can. You know, it is technology. It's not foolproof. Only God is foolproof. Man is not foolproof. So it might be I committed to be on this on this call at such and such time. My every my every uh, uh, promise I I plan to keep, but I am still man, and I still can fall short. So I ain't obligated to Facebook. I'm going to just tell you that right now. I'm going to do whatever God tell me to do. If that Facebook don't work, then I just want the hell be on it, okay? But my life going to keep going, and I hope that everybody that's listening, they got they life keep going. I want to make sure that the sun continues to shine, you know, because that's where we get our life from. Our life source comes from the sun. You know, so I don't worship no man. I don't worship nothing, you know, and nobody. 
Nobody's responsible for me but me. So I just say I'm going to repent, and I'm going to ask my God that I may have took my clothes off too fast for somebody or, you know, maybe hurt somebody's feelings. You know, I ain't robbed no bank. You know, I ain't planning on robbing no bank. I ain't talking about killing nobody. I don't want to kill myself, you know. I don't want to be around nobody that I feel like I might hurt or that I want to kill. So keep my ex-husband away from me. But I'm just saying, <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, that I'm going by what the law of God is. So thank you for this platform, Brother Amun. No problem. So what's new? What's coming up? What's well, well, I want to have some, some stuff. I got some pictures that I want to upload. I have some things where I did with uh, President Obama's campaign that I was telling you about that I think would be really relevant for right now. I want to get that to you um, because the words that he was speaking then are so, you know, relevant for right now. And he's such a profound person, but he's so you know, touchable and so agreeable, um, but he's not no fool, you know, and he's just doing the best he can, you know, him and his wife, and y'all just, you know, just tormented their they daughters, you know, and I, and, I, and I don't like that, and it really bothers me, you know, that they couldn't just bring the planet peace and we all act in one accord. You got white men that really are the age of like seven or eight. That's really what you had in that house. You know, those those men, now they scared to step up because they know that he's coming home. They don't want to be no damn house speaker. Now they got to start speaking to say what the hell they did. They're going to come before a daggone courts too. They're not beyond having an answer for how they incarcerated all our children. You know, talking about war on drugs, and they signed off on that. We're going to be tough on drugs. Why don't you be tough on the people that brought the shit in here on a boat and in a plane? Our people didn't bring no damn drugs, no crack cocaine to this to this daggone part of the world. Mm-hmm. They, say, they say 93% of the people who get convicted are the small guys, and 7% are the kingpins. But wow. Uh, 90- but they say that it's a 93%, you know what I'm saying, the people in the drug trade that's, you know, getting incarcerated. When mm-hmm. in actuality, if you wanted to prevent that, then you'd be focusing on the 7%, you know what I mean, the kingpin, mm-hmm. the main distributors. Right. You know I mean? Not the, yeah. you know what I'm saying, not the, not the little guys, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You got mm-hmm. to get rid of the queen. You get rid of the queen bees, you ain't got to worry about the bees no more. You know what I'm saying? Wow. Wow. There are some solutions. Yeah. There are some solutions. Exactly. And, you know, I mean, I mean, you know, you know, you know who their target is because the same mm-hmm. reason why 100 grams, you know what I'm saying, of cocaine is equivalent to one gram of crack. You know what right. I'm saying? Right. When, when it comes to being prosecuted for drugs, how can you equivalent mm-hmm. one gram of crack? But 100 grams of cocaine and crack comes from cocaine. Right. So, right. I mean, it's just quite obvious, just based off what I just said, that they're not trying mm-hmm. to eradicate the problem. That's not their interest. They got another attention. Another whole other agenda. 
and it's quite obvious because everybody who works for the justice system don't know what the agenda is. They will tell you what the agenda is. The president will tell you what the agenda is. Mm-hmm. They all, you know, say so they all know what it is. Don't they say like crack cocaine is one degree from something else? Then I re- see that in that um in that video as well. It's oh, saying okay. how like I think it was saying like uh um. I be watching so much other stuff. Okay, like say for instance, you know the uh, Ritalin that they give our children. Mm-hmm. And Ritalin is like just a few shakes from actual crack cocaine. I don't know where I saw that. I know I watched the video that you sent me for about forty minutes. And is there a way we can get people's respond? Like if they can respond, to, you know, to the videos. Have you had some people respond? Oh, uh, right now I don't have it. Publicly listed, you know, saying it's private, and the reason, you know, saying why I have it private because I want people to be able to go to the Indiegogo account to view it. Okay. Why don't you give them a little sample, and then that way that'll that'll probably be more of a like a tantalizer, you know, because I got a lot of stuff, you know, that that I did with the campaign and. I just really had a good time, but everything that I learned during um, President Obama's campaign, and especially the re-election campaign, um, I was able to take it back to Stone Mountain, Georgia. And, you know, where I put into practice a lot of things that I learned there because, you know, I saw where people were sleeping in front of the laundromats, you know, and then people were living in the laundromat, especially one that's 24 hours. And, you know, it's either they end up staying there or they get sent to DeKalb County, which is on Memorial Drive, you know, uh, just for a, a night of sleep, especially when it starts getting cold. You know, sometimes people surrender themselves because they don't have somewhere else to go. So I want to talk with Tyler Perry about a movie about how a lot of those people that I, that I knew uh, that was parking their cars in front of the laundromat and pretending to be in there washing their clothes, but that was all they had. That was where they had to live for that day, for that time. That was their space, you know. So there are a lot of things that are coming up, brother, and there's so many things that I can talk about because I walked it. And, um, you know, I I just want to talk about the injustices, but I want to talk about the beauty in the the fact that God gave me talent to put what I see on on film, you know, and I can see where I can help, you know, my people. And that is the only thing that really gives me comfort is that I can see how I can help quickly change their lives around, you know, through just working with the clergymen. Um, I know some judges. I know some people that are on the right side of the law, you know, and um, I like to just have them on the platform uh, so that they can also, a lot of their passion is to help, you know, to help our people. And, um, you know, you have, you'll find you got a lot, of, that, a lot of Caucasians and Europeans that are in a position to help, you know. So we don't, I don't have room to hate nobody because everybody's money can be green. You know, but the ones with the the silver and the gold, that's what I like the most, the the chingly kind, the gold. (laughs) You know, I just say vote and buy gold. That's going to be my slogan. Right, right. Yeah. The one thing I noticed about the people, I'm saying, uh, 
they know quite more, you know what I'm saying, than uh than us. You know, about what's really going on. They was really concerned. They wanna be participants. They know what they know. I mean, they may they may you may have a conversation with them and just because they agree with you and a lot of things that's going on doesn't mm-hmm. mean that they care. You know what I'm sometimes, sometimes we think because people agree with us with certain things, but they're passionate, you know what I'm saying, about it. It's not that they're passionate about it, it's that they're not hiding the facts. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying, when they're being presented to them. As you can see, you know what I'm saying, they're not already at the activist level, you know what I'm saying, the level where, you know, you're trying to bring awareness. Because as I say, I mean, they, they're a lot more aware of the ones who are trying to bring awareness of it. Tell you yeah. if you don't make it no effort. Yeah. So I sort of like seeing them trying to do anything about it. You know, I mean, I, I don't, I, I don't really see, I don't really see it. I believe they would try, but then eventually, you know, what I'm saying, uh, they will end up getting intimidated. You know, what I'm saying by the, um, by the justice monster that they work for. And they'll become discouraged because that would happen with with the sister named um, Michelle Alexander. You ever heard of Michelle Alexander? Uh, maybe, maybe. Yeah, she was a civil rights attorney. You know what I'm saying? Oh she, yeah, 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 of course. Yeah, yeah. Arthur, the book, the new Jim Crow. Yeah, yeah. yeah she mm-hmm. that book. Yeah, mm-hmm. she she was she was real real passionate. You know what I'm saying about bringing awareness. You know about what was going on in the justice system. You know. Yeah. And all of a sudden, you know, I mean, she just vanished. You know, I, I don't, I don't, I don't hear from her no more. I don't hear her doing no public speaking. Mm-hmm. Um, I, don't, I don't think she published another book. You know, it's kind of like, where's she at? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I'm pretty, well, sure, I'm pretty sure the people, you know, saying the justice system this under intimidated told her that, you know, if you keep on spreading this awareness, you know, we're gonna we're gonna take your life or. They're going to hit you with some trumped up charges. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. some people. They, they do it all of the time. Yeah, they do. And Even Cynthia McKinney. You know, since. Trumped up charges, like you'll get assassinated if you don't care. Uh, oh, wow. You say in Canada? <laughs> no, I said if you don't care, you yeah. if, if you don't care. Right. Oh, okay. threatening you with trumped up charges and assassination, yeah. then right. more than likely that's what you're going to face. That's but if true. you do care. Then more than likely, once they threaten you, you're gonna right. quit doing what you do. Exactly. I have had plenty of threats, and some of the threats I've had from people that's right up close, you know, just like with Reverend York. But I, I would say that um, Cynthia McKinney, you know, when you mentioned, you know, one sister, that one sister that, that just really stood out for me, when you say that she, you know, kind of like disappeared. Uh, Cynthia McKinney was very outspoken, and she talked about her, how her father was a police officer during the time, of, you know, during the civil rights, during all the time when Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King and a lot of the others were being beaten billy club. And she talked about how her father came home and and um and you know they, he would see how they would tie Nubian men against poles you know, telephone poles and chain them and beat them with their billy club, you know. And she talked about that, you know, that kind of stuff uh, that her father taught her. And 
she might might be a little militant for some, but not for me. You know, that's that's how it is. I think she a socket to me type of a sister. You know, so I I honor those that's before me. You know, yeah, I, I, I don't hurt to do that because you know. Yeah. They go once they do that. They go through a lot of heat. They go through more heat, you know, saying than a person who's not involved in the system yeah. that's doing it. Maybe because the people that they previously worked for, they're like, we feel we feel betrayed. It. Like you know, yeah. what's that guy Ed Snowden? Mm-hmm. You know, he was working for the NSA, not the NSA. They want that dude real bad. They feel betrayed. Oh yeah, you talking about because of the rifle, because of all of the guns and stuff? No, you know, Ed Snowden. The, you know, the, the oh, Snow, yeah, Snowden, the one that tried to do the escape thing. Yeah, yeah, he was in the system. <laughs> he tried to bring awareness. Yeah. They got madly serious about it. Yeah. And now they... Yeah, I mean, but he still was a snitch, you know what I'm saying? They, they want his head. <laughs> they, got a, they got a nationwide hit on him. That's so correct. They, hold on, hold on, brother. I know we on the air. Hold on, brother. Yep. But I'm just saying. Go ahead, brother. I'm on. Yeah, so, you know, the bottom line is, you know, we the people got to handle this matter. You know what I'm saying? We can't, we can't yeah. really expect too much, you know what I'm saying, from people in the justice system. Why? You understand? Because they ain't going to yeah. do it because they they participants of this. And then on top of that, if they do try to stand up, they're going to catch more heat than us. So they got yeah. more, you know what I'm saying, up against to deal with them what we have to deal with. Yeah. Whatever happened, did you are you keeping up with the sister that um that um made the threats over the internet? Um and she had that uh machine gun where she was saying, you know, something about people were, like they were approaching her for for um like they were gonna kill her and then she retaliated by putting up a post on Facebook and they arrested her in Clayton County, Georgia. Do you 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 know that you know about that situation? I got the sister's names. Oh my God, what is her name? I wrote it down. But I wrote a letter to the prison too. I gotta say her name. What is her name? Um, but anyways, I'm watching that and I'm gonna be calling Clayton County again and I will be posting it up. because uh, I wanna I wanna watch because they, they actually arrested her and then said, you know, she did t- terroristic threats. Said she lived within a mile radius of the uh prison of the um police department there in Clayton County. So I'm I'm definitely watching that situation. Yeah, we all got we all got to keep our eyes open. Yeah, cause I told I said this is a better not end up dead. Hold on, bro. I don't know what's going on my phone. But brother, I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and and um and and um go ahead and get off the call. I thank you and I love you so much. And we'll have we'll have some even more potent things. We'll get to talk and um so that people will be aware of what's going on in these prisons for real, you know. Right. So we want to we want to build schools and not prisons. That's that's the objective. That's right. That's right. Right then, well, I'll get to hear from you next week. Thanks for calling in. Thank you so much. Talk to you soon. Peace.
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.